everyone. Welcome to the August episode of Mission Success, Women in Multifamily, the podcast series dedicated to powerful female professionals in the multifamily industry. I'm Laura Kalugar, Senior Editor with Multi-Housing News. My guest this month is a seasoned veteran of New York City agencies and real estate expert who has recently transitioned from a public role to a private one. Melanie LaRocca now serves as Chief Operating Officer for BFC Partners, guiding the firm's workflow, strategy, and essential business processes. Melanie's background fits perfectly with BFC's focus, which is creating much-needed affordable, mixed-income, and market-rate housing while revitalizing communities. Welcome to Mission Success, Melanie. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to join you. Personal curiosity first. You spent almost two decades as a CD employee in various roles. What made you switch and how has the switch been? Uh, I think what made me switch is pretty easy. Sometimes in life, you got to learn a new skill. Um, and I've always been in this orbit anyway. So the idea of, of coming to this side is, isn't particularly jarring. Plus, I just think generally speaking, um, you know, the divide between pi- private and public sector isn't really that monumental. I mean, people make it out to seem like you know, these are totally different universes. But at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing, right? We're all showing up every day and we're trying to accomplish our agency or company's mission. Um, so you're sort of swimming in the same way. You're just in a different lane, but we're all in the same pool. So um, uh, for me, it's been pretty exciting to come to this side of the of the pool, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and to learn uh, learn a new skill. Your previous role within the city of New York was a unique position, as as I understood. You were the city's first ever chief efficiency officer. How do you think that experience will help you in your new role at BFC? That's a great question. I think um, a couple of things. Um, It certainly was a pleasure to be uh, able to be in the position of creating a new office. And for me, the thing that really gave me joy Um, was being able to bring forward this mentality of a customer's experience into government, which I think is such a uh, often neglected and not really appreciated enough um, part of government work. Um, And that's true across the board. Uh, If you look at the private sector, you see such um, such a stronger embrace of customer experience as a defined Um, and measurable um, part of work. And so being able to introduce that in the government sector and being able to introduce that in um, uh, one of the largest cities um, is uh, certainly a feather in my cap. That said, I've had a lot of roles, like you said, um, as we started uh, in city government. So um, coming on this side, um, you know, I certainly am taking pieces that I've learned along the way, whether it was um, at my time in a construction authority or at my time at building. So cobbling together all of my life lessons from, you know, right out of college, uh, doing constituent work up until my uh, most recent role. And BFC typically works hand in hand with the community, the local government and other professionals. And this basically means that you will most likely still interact quite a lot with some of your former colleagues. How much easier will this make your job? Uh, certainly, it doesn't hurt to, to see a friendly face. That is a that is a truism. But I would say this: 
knowing the sort of mentality of government, knowing its value systems, um, and knowing how it operates and how it thinks is equally as important, if not more, than having a friendly face across the table. Um, obviously, it's worth saying I have uh, certain pro uh, provisions which will uh, bar me from talking to some of my colleagues um, for a period of time, obviously, worth saying out loud, uh, yeah. that we're all mindful of that. But generally speaking, you know, the work that we do here at BFC is so intermingled with our community members as well as our government members. We're really firmly committed to uh, creating affordable housing um, in the city and elsewhere, but in particular the city, that is our home. So living in this ecosystem, understanding the challenges that government faces on their side from their constraints and being able to thread that needle um, and being able to appreciate really both sides of the house and each uh, side's constraints and challenges and knowing at the end of the day that we both um, are seeking the same outcome, right? In the city mm -hmm. of New York, we have a strong track record of decades of this work. So we're firmly committed to this work and being able to see our government uh, colleagues as real partners in producing the same product that we all want to produce, mm -hmm. housing for New Yorkers. That's what we're all here to do. Um, so long way of saying, great to have friendly faces, better to know the constraints and the challenges and, and the goals of both sides. Speaking of home, uh, you're a native New Yorker and a lifelong Queens resident, right? Have that you ever been true. tempted to accept a job someplace else? Why did you choose to stay home? Uh, why did I choose to say home? I suppose it's because I'm a classic New Yorker uh, in the sense that I think we live in the best place in the world. And I think we are the best. I have the, uh, uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. I'll leave it up to people listening, really, to make judgment. I'm not passing judgment on it. Um, but, you know, I really do believe in New York City's exceptionalism. So why go anywhere else? Um, I haven't even left my home borough Uh which is to show you how stubborn I am in my ways of New York City being the best and my home borough of Queens being um, the top of the bunch, according to me. But I love all five boroughs equally and I love the rest of the state as well. <laughs> so you've been in New York for so long and you, you've known its problems for, for so long. What would have an immediate impact and, and genuinely improve the situation with the housing crisis? Who needs to do what to ease that the affordable housing crisis in the metro? And what do you think are some achievable solutions to boost supply? That's a great question. Um, the obvious answer is we just need to build more. Um, that is just, it, it's just a fact. Um, if you look at any of the statistics that come out that speak to New York City in particular um, and the surrounding communities Uh, in the state of New York at large, and sort of broadly speaking in the tri-state area, you know, our production of housing really has not kept pace. Um, and you see such a stark uh, uh, sort of jump off the cliff, if you will, in the areas surrounding um, the city proper. So I think building more is certainly the most critical step. That said, building more doesn't necessarily um, uh, allow you to achieve the um, 
the gains that you want to see, particularly in low and moderate income housing, which is mm -hmm. a critical factor. I think one of the things that is going to prove to be successful and should be continued um, is including New York City Housing Authority in the conversation about production of housing and protection of housing and really yeah. including NYCHA for long for a long time in the city of New York, NYCHA sort of had been cast off as outside of the orbit of the conversation of just how to how to solve the housing crisis. Um, and, you know, you do a quick Google, like housing challenges, NYC, like sort of simple things. And every single topic is just a reminder that we don't have enough and we don't have enough for those who need it the most. And so to answer your question, first thing up, got to build more. Um, we've seen some good progress around light tech and, and creating the floor there. So that's great. What we want to do there um, with LIHTC in particular is really, um, which I think is the sort of next frontier that will help us get um, better bang for our buck and stretch our dollar, is really looking at um, uh, reducing the bond threshold from 50 to 25, which will really allow um, local sta uh, states and municipalities to really stretch that dollar out more. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one on the federal level. Um, on the state level, you know, the governor came out in the state of New York and really proposed a, a pretty ambitious housing um, agenda in this last session, which was really aggressive and great to see. And again, just sort of the acknowledgement at all levels, everybody has to come to the table and bring solutions. And we need it at the federal level, we need it at the state, and we need it at the city level. So um, certainly looking to the state to make advancements on some of the governor's um, proposals, which um, you know didn't happen in the legislative session. But then you just saw last month, uh, the governor came out with a series of announcements around um, actions that uh, she can do to try to come in and strengthen our ability to build, build affordable, uh, and build for the future of New York uh, State. And so the actions around Gowanus are particularly interesting. We're looking at that, um, uh, uh, her uh, release of two other state properties into the mix um, for development is great. So those are good things that should happen. We should be looking at the governor's proposals um, from the last session and find commonality. I think those are um, uh, the package out there are really things that um, ought to happen. And then you look at the city level um, with this administration, and they've already come out with a series of actions that they intend to take. Um, and we fully believe that those actions, particularly in the Get Stuff Built report um, that Deputy Mayor Maria Torres Springer um, and others released at the end of last year, which have really solid um, and concrete proposals that will help reduce time, reduce burdens, reduce cost, and ultimately um, put us in a position um, to bring on some 500,000 units over the course of 10 years. Those uh, steps are really critical. And when you look at the three layers of government there, you really are looking at um, places where we have very specific policy needs that have mm -hmm. to happen. We have very specific, um, in, in some way, almost niche, but, um, you know, the regulatory environment in the state, in particular in New York State, is, is a complicated environment. And so we really do have to be critical of every single component 
um, in that sort of labyrinth of regulations and really understand the value that they're um, bringing or not to the overall ability to produce housing, produce affordable housing, and again, house the future of New York um, and secure the future of New York. So I think at all three levels, there are um, initiatives that are either have been floated and haven't moved forward or out there in the works that really need to happen um, in order to make this incremental change. And really this is about incremental change, right? It's not like tomorrow we'll all of a sudden see a million units, but certainly you need to look at, you know, the backlog in our agencies, of course. the burdens that have been placed on them. Um, we're obviously all uh, across the board facing worker shortages and that's a real thing. And we have to acknowledge that and we have to work through that. So I think at those three levels, um, there is good stuff out there that will help propel um, the development that needs to take place. They can't do it on their own. They need the private sector, that's for sure. Tell us more about BFC's approach and how it targets community development. Sure. So um, BFC has long prided itself uh, in its city roots and uh, has a long track record of supporting growth in communities in a way that is community centric. And you look at some of our investments over the course of the last you know, 40 years or so, and they really do demonstrate a true commitment to neighborhoods. And I think that is such, a, such an important part to understand about New York City, which is this lovely uh, place. Um, it's lovely, it's complicated, it's layered, it's neighborhoods, it's about communities. You think of Sort of, if you're not from New York, you're like, ah, it's a big city, 8 million plus people, but it really is a city of, of neighborhoods. It's a city where your fabric of life is found within walking distance of where you are. And that's true whether you're in the most uh, uh, dense parts of the city or you're in the um, uh, more uh, outlying uh, neighborhoods. And as a Queensite, I've, I've lived in both versions of Queens, suburban and uh, more urban. Um, so BFC's approach to development is one that is longstanding. And, and I think this is the important part. We are committed to the city as well as the state, um, certainly. Um, we're committed to affordable housing, but we're also in it for the long run, which I think is the distinguishing a distinguishing feature um, between developers, we're um, owner builders. And so the commitment we're making is to the community. And it's a commitment in saying, we're not leaving. You know, we're investing. We're investing because we believe as a sort of philosophical um, place. We're coming from the sort of philosophical place that we need real housing um, for New Yorkers. We need housing for New Yorkers that is diverse that acknowledges the diversity of housing needs, which is such an important part. When we talk about, you know, it's so easy to get lost in the like, we need more housing. But when you think about, take a step back and the diversity of housing that is needed is so, um, so important. And you look at our projects and that really does speak to that. You know, we have a project right now in construction that is gonna, that uh, has a set aside uh, um, for seniors. And the notion that um, each building can be a community unto itself and be supportive and really provide for that network is another part that's really important to us. 
Um, so the building where we have um, senior units, we have um, senior services there, um, really making um, making your home, your community and your community, your home, sort of that ethos of how we like to see ourselves. So we are looking at projects that allow for a real diversity in um, housing type and a real diversity for an appreciation for um, these moments in people's lives that they may want to be in a different type of housing scenario. You know, you've got seniors who may not want to age in their home because it's too large. They've outgrown it in a, in a sense, right? They've outgrown right. the need for that much. And being able to provide people with optionality, which is the thing that we so um, that we really lack in the city, which is in part some of the struggles where you see um, in the affordable housing arena is the lack of optionality, the lack of um, needing housing to match the moment that you're in in your life, whether that's for individuals who are formerly homeless, whether that is for young professionals who may want to be in their community but not live at home, um, or you know anywhere else in the sort of in the in the life cycle of a person's life. So. Um, that's really just a little sort of, I, I waxed on a little poetically there, sorry about that, but that's a little, a flavor of sort of the things that keep us uh, interested, committed, um, and really uh, tied to our original um, mantra. Speaking of the fact that BFC focuses on, on building communities, uh, they have a growing portfolio of mixed use, mixed income properties and projects. Why are this type of development so important? What benefits do they bring to New York City uh, in the long run? Yeah, I think, again, just the simple answer there is it's really about community and it's about the diversity of housing stock. It's about the diversity of an individual building. And again, about the, the appreciation of the fact that people need different housing depending on where they are in, their, in the arc of their life. Um, and the best way that we think to build is really building in, a, in a, an environment that supports that, that cultivates that, that wants more of that. We want more diversity in our housing. We want more options. Um, and so when you look at a mixed-use, traditionally considered mixed-use building, that really does speak to that notion of a community is made up of members of all types, um, and that's really the best way to grow a, uh, grow and support a neighborhood. I think that one of the most impressive mixed-use projects that BFC is working on is that redevelopment of the historic Bedford Union Armory in Crown Heights. Could you please tell us more about the residential component of the development and the community space there? Um, I think that is a great project. I think when you look at the city, um, with, particularly at armories across the city, you know, the, the one in Brooklyn, our project, um, the Bedford Armory, really stands out as a, an incredible example of what happens when government and private sector entities come together at, to revitalize and reimagine a building a area that sort of had a moment of time and time continued to move forward without it. So that's really the beauty of the Bedford Union Armory. It's this, the fact that we were able to collectively um, as in sort of in unison in some, in some manner, um, really move forward and revitalize this building and add 
um, housing uh, was really remarkable. So you have two, uh, two buildings there uh, where we delivered 415 new apartments, 50% um, of which are affordable to low and middle incomes. Um, we have some car uh, parking space, which people either like or don't, uh, I suppose, <laughs> depending on your point of view. Um, and then it's anchored by this 40,000 square foot um, space of community space, which is serving our uh, some of our local nonprofits and small businesses. Um, and it's just, it's fantastic. I think the mix of um, nonprofit small businesses there is just like, that is sort of characteristic of the best versionings of ourselves when we think about the the way in which, again, like back to the theme about building community and building places, places for people um, that integrates and ties into the built environment around it, respects the built environment around it, but also pushes us forward into the future. And I think that project is such a great example of doing just that, respecting the community, understanding that community makes projects and really embracing that, but also knowing that you have to continue advance, advancing. You must continue to build and bring opportunities for neighbors that are there and future neighbors as well. BFC has also recently announced the third and final phase of a mixed-use housing development that will bring more than a thousand units of fully affordable housing to Coney Island Surf Avenue. What can you share about the impact of this project for the Brooklyn community? Yeah, I think again, just you know, you sort of think about the the Armory Building. You think about Coney Island, very different geographically. Um, in terms of location in the borough of Brooklyn and certainly different, totally different vibes. Um, that said, you look along Surf Avenue, which is where the project is in Coney Island. That's really like uh, the heart of Coney Island. Phase three, which is the one that we just uh, announced, will bring on some uh, 464 units of fully affordable, um, which will bring our project total Uh, at the end of the day, to over uh, 1,300 fully affordable units. When you think about that volume and you think about the impact that those three projects are going to have, and they're all sort of collected next to each other, just think about the sheer number of units that are coming online, the incredible um, positive impact just those three projects will have to that part of the heart of Coney Island. It's incredible. You take a step back and you think about, you know, all the great things that are happening in Coney Island, the great things that existed there even before us. And then you look at sort of the opportunity to be, a, to be in a position to add good, high quality, affordable units into a neighborhood in a manner that is, again, respectful of the surrounding community and acknowledges the fact that we need to progress forward together um, and the ability to say, wow, we've just, we will have delivered 1,300 units of affordable housing is remarkable. You mentioned diversity and integration several times uh, within this conversation. And mixed-use, mixed-income developments today must promote, and usually do that, do promote diversity, equity, and integration. 
Why are all these elements vital to make an impact on the New York City community in the long term? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at New York City, New York City is diversity. We are the like hallmark of diversity. I mean, it's a city of immigrants and it's probably one of the only places in the world where you can just stand on any corner and meet anybody from anywhere. It really is just that simple. And so that is the fabric of New York. That is who we are. Um, And so our housing development really needs to reflect that. And then, and again, you just look at the history of what we've been able to accomplish with our partners here um, at BFC, and you look at some of the projects we've done, um, you know, one comes to mind, uh, we had a project right around, uh, also in Brooklyn, incidentally, um, which is not quite as recent project of ours, where we did the first um, LGBT housing, um, which was just, again, like these, these moments to really make impact, these moments to put your fingerprint on New York that is just sort of a, it's a collection of people and ideas and cultures. Um, that is who we always have been. And so you look at um, what we need to be in the future. We need, we need to continue to support that. Right. And how do you expect these mixed-use, mixed-income developments to evolve across New York City? Do you think we'll see more of these projects going forward? Are these the future? Are these the answers to what New York City needs in terms of housing? I think New York City needs a a diversity of housing across the board. And yes, uh, mixed-use buildings are not not a tool. Um, uh, that will go away. We will continue to use mixed income, uh, mixed use buildings. I think that's a a really important part of the fabric of the city. But also, um, you know, we need a diversity of housing and a diversity of housing type. We have a lot of different people in a lot of different places in the arc of their life, and they need housing that supports them at the time that they are, the place that they are in their life. And so, Um, Yes to mixed-use, mixed income. Yes to more uh, diverse optionality in in choice um, for New Yorkers. It was great talking to you, Melanie. Thank you so much for, for everything you've shared. Thank you very much. Lovely talking to you as well. Thank you all for listening. I look forward to introducing you to another powerful woman in the multifamily industry next month. Until then, visit multihousingnews.com for the latest news, podcasts, and trend stories. 